0: <laughs>
1: uh. <laughs> I think <I'm> <laughs> gun sure looks deadly, but it's not the least bit deadly unless I point it at someone and pull the trigger. Gentlemen, this is Democracy
0: Manifest. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Repeal the 20th Century. Today, I have with me Dr. Michael Reckenwald. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Um, Michael Reckenwald, um, former professor at NYU, uh, author of 11 books. Uh, and uh, writer for the Mises Wire, uh, chief academic officer for American dot com, and uh, general all about uh, all around renegade with reference to the ruling elite. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I wanted to have you on because I actually heard you speak um, back at a Mises Caucus event in october um about a lot of these subjects you know woke capital um the kind of the uh, fusion between big tech and big govern or uh, big business and uh the state and i wanted to talk about those kind of things because i think there is a tendency among you know libertarians uh, free market people people are wary about the state um to kind of ignore this relationship um, you know, we often hear when we criticize Twitter, you know, oh, it's a private company, you know, could just go mm-hmm. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But, um, I've seen you talk about it and, and kind of explain that it, well, that's not really the case. And I kind of wanted to, to hear why, th- I, I kind of wanted you to explain why that is the case for people who, who are unaware of just how deep this relationship goes.
1: Okay. Where would you like me to start? Um.
0: I think uh, I think the best place probably is to start is just um, kind of the, the sharing of data between the state and social media platforms and that kind of relationship that they have. Because, uh, you know, people are say they're very wary about the Patriot Act, but kind of ignore this this aspect. Yeah, um,
1: I would probably rather start, if you don't mind, with sure. the funding and the inception of Google, for example.
0: Sure, that, um,
1: I, that's a good place to start uh so google was um early on it it was a uh a data collecting mechanism that the uh, intelligence and military intelligence uh, complex saw as a very uh, viable way to collect data uh, in their so-called war against terror and uh, google seemed to present uh, google's uh, Developed, it was under development, then it seemed to present a very good uh, option for uh, collecting data. And so they funded uh, Google with its startup capital, came through InQtel, which was uh, is a private uh, investment firm created by the CIA. So that is the funding. They originally got their money through InQtel, and uh, they really uh, were developed. Uh, as a means for the cia to collect information Uh, so this is their early uh roots you know and since then they've had numerous contracts with the military intelligence community and there's tons of sharing of uh, not only people uh, but projects across the state uh, between the state and uh, google itself uh and there, there's numerous contracts uh that they have together um i, I won't go into all of them but uh, they're just uh no question that they have uh developed in connection with uh cia uh the cia desideratum them to uh collect data on individuals and to share that data and then of course there's the data sharing that goes on uh backdoor nsa access to Social media platforms, uh, both Facebook and Twitter, and others. Uh, basically, there's uh, you, you might look at these uh, these big big digital corporations, as I call them, big digital, as basically uh, THEY'RE appendages of the state. They 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 actually increase and augment state power uh, and uh, serve to basically as governmental uh, L- uh governmental apparatuses of the state so yeah there's no way to talk about them uh in terms of uh strictly private enterprises and even in the case of twitter uh, most likely the reason that uh, the twitter board is putting up such a blockade against uh elon musk is not strictly because they don't want a free speech advocate owning Twitter, most likely it's because Twitter's function, it will be undermined by virtue of of, of, of Musk coming under control, of uh, in control of Twitter. Uh, that is to say, most likely it will be revealed that they serve the state in ways that and collude with the state in ways they don't want exposed uh, and that they uh, they serve a uh, particular ruling elite uh, within the state and across uh, the whole uh, collus- collusion, uh, across the whole nexus uh, between the state actors and um, elite uh, corporations. So, you know, I mean, Twitter is and, and Facebook and Google, these are particularly in the case of uh, Facebook and Twitter, these are ideological state apparatuses, Uh, to put it in uh, the words of the Marxist uh, Louis Althusser, uh, which actually is an essay that is useful to read for even for uh, uh, libertarians, that is uh, ideological state apparatuses. I think the first uh, part of that title. Um, And uh, in that he talks about how uh various institutions serve the state by promulgating its ideology and uh by uh basically uh echoing its its uh, narrative and uh and squelching opposing positions and uh and so on and so forth so propaganda organs as well as censorship organs so i think that's why uh twitter is so Diametrically opposed, the Twitter board is so diametrically opposed to Elon Musk taking it over. I think there's probably so much evidence that, that of what they what they do in connection with uh, deep state desiderata that it's uh, something that would be very, uh, very um, ver- the exposure would be very devastating. I think.
0: Yeah, I I think that's very, very accurate and and sums up a lot of uh, the main thing that made me want to have you on was kind of talking about that relationship because it's one I think is often very much ignored in the dialogue about social media, about tech companies and and corporations in general is kind of just how much they... You know, uh, work off one another and work together on various things. And I'm glad you brought up Twitter, since it's a very topical thing now with Elon Musk attempting to buy Twitter. Um, and I actually saw that um, one of the, I think it was the second largest sta- uh, stakeholder, uh, said he was going to deny t- uh, Elon's offer. And it turned out he was, um, I believe, a prince either from the UAE, the Saudi or, prince, yeah, yeah, or Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um and I think you know that alone should show people that you know this is not just about being a private company or or a company with uh vested interests that are the same as any old private business. Uh so what I wanted to ask kind of out of that is is what is what does this practically look like when we see this relationship between uh the state and I guess Twitter is a good example. Like, what are are we practically seeing in their relationship and the outcomes of that?
1: Well, okay, well, first let's let's characterize it a little bit more. One way to understand it is in terms of political capitalism. And that is to say, uh, political capitalists, both inside and outside the state, both the corporation at the corporate level and in the state level, these people uh, basically uh benefit from the collusion between the state and these uh we're going to say in in these corporations so that that's uh these are political capitalists so this is why they don't care so much about catering to their uh so-called market base because their real (laughs) their real uh bread and butter is coming from their relationship to the state that's really what guarantees their survivability and so forth. So, uh, and by perpetrating the state's uh, narratives and its desiderata, what happens is that it is guaranteed to be successful. Uh, it It uh, is being propped up by state interests. So what it looks like is you have, um, Basically, you could probably explain every single practice of Twitter, Facebook, Google and others on the basis of uh, how they are squelching uh, certain uh, information entirely, information that would be uh, countering uh, the state's narratives and aims and uh and therefore you know i mean we see this coming out now with the uh ukraine russia conflict or the russia ukraine conflict uh and uh how the information is being squelched about uh, anything having to do with the history of ukraine and how that feeds into as a pretext for this uh conflict how the west is uh really largely responsible for setting up the preconditions that uh uh, MADE THIS CONFLICT POSSIBLE, AND uh, I, th- I THINK YOU CAN SEE THIS IN uh, HOW THEY TREAT EVERYTHING. LIKE, uh, SINCE THE STATE IS REALLY, AS uh, HENRY Hazlitt PUT IT, IT IS THE CLICK IN POWER. Uh, THE CLICK IN POWER IS uh, A DEEP cr- a deep STATE DEMOCRATIC uh, STATE. I MEAN, THIS IS, WE'RE ALMOST TO THE POINT OF A UNIPARTY RULE. Uh, the uh, whether this is overturned in the next election is really quite uh, beside the point at this juncture because we're looking at a deep state democratic rule. So anything that's injurious to the democratic uh, deep state uh, rule will be squelched like the Hunter Biden laptop thing, uh, like uh, the election uh, controversy, uh, 2020 election controversy, any of these things, I've, course will be squelched in the name of this relationship uh, they are working for uh, this particular contingent which happens to uh, have control over the state and all of its organs at this juncture and even if uh, there's a republican red wave in the t- midterm elections the 2022 elections uh, even that would still probably uh not injure their relationship. In fact, they probably would uh, work harder to uh, enact policies and uh, algorithmic uh, uh, algorithmic uh, features that will support uh, their de- deep state democratic uh, allies.
0: Yeah, I I think that's very much true, and I'm glad you brought up the Hunter Biden laptop story because I think that's a really great example of how uh, Twitter very much censored um, you know, the New York Post. I think it right. was uh, shortly before the election came out with that story and were suspended on Twitter for coming out with that story um, because it was misinformation. And now we have the New York Times and other big sources admitting that actually it was true all along. But yeah. uh, but also saying that they never got censored for putting out that story, um, which is especially concerning because uh, there was a poll recently done that showed that uh, it asked voters if they knew about the Hunter Biden laptop story and knew it was true before the election, would that have changed their vote? And enough people said it would have that it would have actually changed the outcome of the election.
1: Uh, indeed, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so that's, uh, I mean, and then you could see Facebook and their, uh, you know, Zuckerberg's donations to uh, the election uh, process in the 2020 election, which abetted the uh, collection of votes in Democratic uh, leanings, strongly Democratic leaning uh, districts and totally ignoring and or uh, squelching such uh, efforts in uh republican leaning districts so there was a huge effort on the part of the whole big digital conglomerate to uh to put biden in the white house uh, didn't uh, google is very much involved in the way they sorted uh, algorithmically um all stories with reference to trump uh and and biden um it, it's uh it's incredible what they did so we're looking at a Information uh, war, uh, and uh, th- th- these these companies are not simply social media spaces where you can share your opinions and so forth. They're controlling information, and uh, they are. This is a, a, an information war in which they're certainly uh, the main antagonist against uh, uh, counterintelligence, if you will.
0: yeah I think that's very true in that you know the social media companies and tech companies are very much running um, kind of counterintelligence for the state and and we can mm-hmm. see that in those examples that you were you mentioned and as you previously mentioned as well the the reasoning for that is that these companies were propped up very much by state actors and have essentially become state apparatus um, But I think some people are still very hesitant to say uh, anything in the realm of of punishing these companies or regulating these companies uh, because they still hold on to that, well, they're somewhat private in the sense that they have a profit motive and they have stocks and they have investors and stuff. And I I kind of wanted to hear what what your response to that is and what you think these people are not – kind of well, considering in all that.
1: Well, I think I would revert to R- Murray Rothbard here, who suggested that the, there's nothing wrong with using the state to undo state favoritism that has created the problems that we're dealing with. So, it all started with state, uh, coll- you know, state corporate collusion in the first place. There's nothing wrong with using the state to break up this collusion. So, I mean, one of the ways to to under, undo the state, in fact, it may be absolutely essential as a, as a means to just to, uh, to to um, dismantle the state. Is it's necessary to use certain state functions in order to start dismantling the state itself, in in some of its most pernicious uh, aspects, like this unholy alliance between government and uh, in information control uh so-called private information control uh so i i think i don't i I agree regulations aren't the way to do it that, that you don't want to impose regulations because these these corporations will benefit from regulations they are actually the ones who are advocating uh regulations because no doubt they would stand to gain further from regulatory capture and furthermore, they are the ones promoting the re- regulation because what do regulations do? They help increase the cost of entry. They keep out uh, competitors. It's a it's a monopolization scheme. So you know regulations aren't the way to go. But for example, uh, something to do with this uh, Communications Decency Act, Section 230, has to be addressed. Um, there was that 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 act that that particular prong of the act section 230 was meant to keep these players out of the political realm and uh to uh to uh, keep them from uh as you know as exa- by by um, protecting them from liability for as publishers uh this, the trade-off was that they would not become uh partial and they would not be biased and they would not be promoting a particular political position or positions so they have obviously uh violated that act and something could be done on that score uh, either uh changing i think that thing needs totally rewritten and uh probably it just doesn't it's ineffective it was meant to actually uh limit censorship but it ended up turning into a censorship vehicle uh and this is you know this goes back to what the Austrian school says in general every time they intervene it only makes matters worse Uh, so this intervention was mistaken and it has to be undone somehow and they have to get these corporations out of the political realm uh and out of their rule as political capitalists which they are
0: yeah i I think you're correct in that especially about regulations because there are a lot on the right who i think are their first knee jerk impulses well we have to regulate these companies um awesome. and yeah. and you know you see that especially with people like Senator Josh Hawley and stuff um but you did bring up um some specific you know regulations and policies, stuff like section two thirty and uh, that contribute to this kind of thing. And I wanted to ask if you had any more that you thought particularly was like a good place to start aiming and using, um, as you mentioned, using part of the state apparatus to dismantle the state apparatus, uh, where, yeah. where you think is the, the key place to start targeting?
1: Well, one of the things that could be done is the fact that the, the Biden administration has uh, telegraphed directly that they are using social media to uh, to suppress particular viewpoints and uh, to punish and censor uh, uh, citizens for misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation, as they call it. Uh, so uh, these kind of actions need to be challenged legally. Uh, that's because now you have the state dictating to private corporations that they should censor and that they should punish, you know, people that uh, promote disinformation, so-called. And this is a direct uh, abrogation of, of the First Amendment. So this this has to be challenged legally somehow, either a class action suit or something else. And it, you know, probably would go to the Supreme Court where of course you never know what will happen there um and you know this is the epitome of statism altogether the fact that you have these five people who can decide on matters of politics in effect uh and uh dictate at, at terms and basically the so-called meaning of the constitution but um uh, yeah I think that uh those kind of things have to be challenged though uh you know that you have the state saying that dictating to corporations that they they need to undertake censorship and uh report on disinformation. this is obscene uh things like that
0: i I think that's very true, and I think you also kind of bring up. Uh, somewhere I want to kind of pivot to as well because I think I want to also, in addition to talking about big tech, talk yeah. about woke capital, and yeah. um, you know what what why we see this phenomenon. Why do we see yeah. corporations going woke, um, and you know what what that has to do with their relationship with the state?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very very. Uh... First of all, the the phenomenon of woke capitalism has been grossly misrepresented and under, uh, under underappreciated, uh, by its most visible critics, uh, even by its most visible critics. They have suggested, and I've tried to clarify this, and people take my reiteration of their arguments as my argument, when in fact I go on to say these arguments are not, they don't, they don't explain the phenomenon, and yet they keep ascribing these, uh, people don't know how to read but um <laughs> they don't know what a faulty path in in argumentation is that you go down a path to show that it's the wrong path and go on to another path to show w- what's your main argument is i mean it's idiocy but um that beside the point uh it's not sufficient to, to explain world capitalism in terms of a, you know simply pr in order to appease leftists or uh provide uh you know, rhetorical for, you know, placebos in lieu of economic concessions and uh, to even ingratiate yourself to the political uh, left, uh, leftist elites, the politicals in power uh, so that they don't, uh, re- you know, institute regulations or, you know, uh, uh, anti, uh, uh, uh antitrust legislation that that will hurt you now these these don't explain it because it goes so much deeper than that this world capitalism uh it it is now institutionalized uh, on the stock market and uh through this stakeholder capitalism model um and this really has become the order of the day so that you have the business round table meeting and and arguing and uh, agreeing with like 161 major corporations, the US Business Roundtable, suggesting that the main function of a corporation is not profit, but rather service of stakeholders and uh, the admission, uh, you know, the adoption of the ESG by, you know, all these corporate entities and it, particularly the uh, asset managers like uh, BlackRock and Vanguard Group and uh, 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 U- UBS and, you uh, uh, state street and on and on and on. So they're forcing this uh, wokeness through uh, the stock market and the ESG or environmental, social and governance score. And uh, the, the way to understand woke capitalism, I think is as a means of cartelized cartelization. Uh, it's a means of establishing cartels using wokeness as an effective criteria for entry into the cartels. And likewise, uh, banishment of others out, uh, that don't uh, abide by the woke criteria uh, and to direct capital toward the woke and away from the non woke or unwoke, and likewise to starve the, the non compliant out of, out of business it's a monopolization scheme.
0: Yeah, I I think you kind of touch on a, a a problem of the criticisms really against woke capital in that as well because I think most people are completely unaware of these groups that you're talking about in ESG um even the people who are criticizing woke capital and that's why we see like a lack of i think very effective arguments against it
1: uh particularly on the right Um, yes they don't know what they're talking about see they just think that it's it's a mistake on the part of these corporations to go along with these you know leftist dicta it's not a mistake it's actually something they benefit from they're actually perpetrating it in their own interests and their interests are to become monopolies within their industries, and to get rid of certain industries altogether, and to create a woke cartel. Uh, and this woke cartel c- cuts across industry types and so forth, and uh, it it uh, it dictates the terms of doing business. Uh, not only like will pr- price price fixing come into play, but really. Uh, control over what corporations can do, what can they actually produce, what materials can they use, who can they hire, who can be on their boards. Uh, uh, Basically, almost everything so that, as uh, Herman uh, Hans Hoppe put it, effectively, people that are running companies will not be the real, their property rights have been totally abrogated because they can't do with their property what they want. Uh, their properties being controlled uh, through these extra governmental dicta, first of all, but I've read very closely about this. So, so the perpetrators of the ESG are trying to get out ahead of legislation so that they are compliant in advance of legislation, which they are then going to try to get implemented. Okay. You want to talk about regulatory capture? They're going to try to actually. Promote the regulation that will cut out that will benefit them and cut out the the the, the non beneficiaries in advance. So this is what the ESG represents. It's pre governmental, extra-governmental, pre legislative activity with uh, which is attempting to become to to become um, uh, law, which they attempt, which they will attempt to put into law. And then, likewise, they'll be out ahead of the game, and those who are left out will be crushed. This is really what's going on. That's, the, that's Woke capitalism is not simply some sort of stupid PR stunt on the, on the part of certain corporations like uh, Nike or a, any of these, Gillette or any of these corporations that have run woke ads, uh, GM in the Super Bowl, which I've written about. Uh, rather, this is uh, this is a, a, a large-scale monopoly scheme. Uh, wokeness is a, a shibboleth and a demarcation device uh, to is used to determine who is in the cartel and who is out. I think some
0: people kind of wonder where are these incentives coming from because. Mm -hmm. There's a tendency on the right to say that, you know, it's the free market's failure, especially those who support more interventionist policies. So I kind of wanted you to explain where these incentives are coming from and why they exist and why they're beneficial.
1: Yes. Yeah, they're coming from other places. They're coming from international governance bodies and uh, and uh, nonprofit organizations, NGOs and uh, non-governmental organizations who are like, who are nevertheless working as status propagandists. Okay, like the World Economic Forum. How do we understand what this organization is? They're extra governmental statists who are trying to get put into practice and into law GOVERNMENTAL uh, REGULATIONS AND CONTROL OVER DIFFERENT in, OVER ALL OF INDUSTRY. Uh, AND TO uh, GET uh, ADOPTED THEIR PRECEPTS ABOUT HOW, how THE MARKET SHOULD RUN. Uh, SO uh, YOU HAVE THESE, it, THIS IS WHY IT'S VERY HARD FOR THESE, le- uh, these BOTH LEFTISTS AND RIGHT WINGERS uh, TO REALLY UNDERSTAND AND OPPOSE IT because they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're trying to oppose. We have to understand what's going on first to oppose it properly. Um, it, It is not going to be opposed through regulation effectively. In fact, these people are attempting to get regulation imposed. It isn't a failure of the free market. It's actually a interventionist scheme on the part of corporations and these extra governmental organizations to preempt and prefigure and to pre uh, comply with legislation that doesn't yet exist, but which they hope will then be put in place. And it's starting to be put in place. Um, for example, Biden's Executive Order 14030, which starts to in- introduce the idea that banks must abide by ESG scores. In their lending practices, and they must cut out of uh, cut out uh, of capital investments non-ESG abiding uh, companies. Uh, so it's happening. And uh, wh- wh- what was the? Go back to the question again, if you can. So make sure I I, I, refer, I uh, reference everything or that I respond. Yeah, to
0: basically, kind of, it's addressing where these incentives are coming from. Because, where they're coming from? Yeah. Uh, cuz a lot of people on the right who support more interventionist policies a- anti free market policies yeah, they
1: yeah As we know conservative so called conservative right and the the you know the conventional right is they only you know only oppose state actions when they don't like the the state actions but they favor other state actions when they like what the state would do so they're statist too they're they're no less statist than leftists um but they don't they don't grasp the fact that um this is not the market itself and therefore we don't need governmental corrections this is um uh, uh really a socialist you know in a strict sense as in hopian terms this is a socialist uh, agenda being enacted through corporate policies and Through the UN and other uh, international governance bodies, in order to uh, create uh, to 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 establish a certain tilted tilted economic structure that favors certain corporate entities and uh, totally disfavors others. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I I think you've done a great job at establishing. Why we're seeing what we're seeing, and um, that it is indeed happening. Uh, but I think some people might ask themselves, you know, what is the incentive to do this, though? Why, why, yeah. why, why specifically woke capital? Why use this kind of like left-wing ideology, and um, what? Why is that beneficial, and why does that produce well, these
1: results? Well, there, there's a couple things. Um, first of all say say you wanted to establish uh, uh world you know monopolies uh if you wanted to establish monopolization over the economy and different uh elements of the economy different uh sectors of the economy would you run around saying you know basically we're trying to dominate the uh, economy we're trying to monopolize the uh means of production and uh the markets in these areas or would you say rather we're trying to establish sustainability and equity and fairness uh yeah you're going to use left-wing rhetoric in order to promote your your interests so because it sells better and especially since leftism has been so perpet uh uh uh, propagated so broadly now it's as if they pre tilled the soil with leftist rhetoric all over the place and then came in with the programs that are under uh using leftist rhetoric to get them pushed into practice now what is the benefit the benefit again comes down to driving out your competitors uh getting rid of competition and creating uh state-supported capitalists or pro or i shouldn't call it even capitalist for-profit production uh that is supported by the state and that is then uh, you know eliminating uh competition that's that's the objective Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i i think that is accurate and um though i think a lot of people you know after hearing all that they're they're kind of going well what do we do now you know what what how do we use this information effectively and what do we do and what do we target to do that and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that on what you thought is really what 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 must be done you know what, what is to be done yes
1: <laughs> together uh, to use the Leninist uh, phrase uh, which a lot of Austrians have picked up on occasion uh, I'd say that uh, uh, we have to try to uh, practice the free market wherever we can and uh, keep the free market alive by, uh, by, by disavowing and avoiding uh, and uh, div- divesting from uh, all of these entities that are uh, trying to steer the economy in this direction, uh, steer it towards effectively uh, property rights abrogation and uh, total control uh and uh, collusion you know so uh you know i i can't speak to the real hardcore specifics of that because i don't know you know people are going to have to decide what they want to do uh individually and i don't recommend any group uh or any collectivist scheme in order to oppose this because that would be first of all antithetical to my values and second of all, I don't think collectivism is the way to, un- to, under- to undermine this. I think the way to undermine it is by uh, asserting and uh, supporting free market practices wherever you can, uh, whether that's constructing parallel economic structures, uh, uh, divesting for sure from these corporate uh, entities that are involved in this scheme uh, and, uh, practicing, uh, I would say also, you know, trying to become as uh, independent economically and entrepreneurial as you possibly can, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, um, this way you're outside of this, uh, structure and, uh, you can stand opposed to it and you can voice and act your, uh, opposition to it without being ruined because they'll ruin you because you know cancellation is happening not just at the corporate level they're canceling corporations but they're also going to can you know obviously they're canceling individuals and the ESG is a means that'll probably be applied to the individual sooner or later so we have to try to resist uh, this by not uh, not participating in it
0: mm-hmm. yeah i i think that that's very true and that is something that many want to do is and I, I think it's becoming more and more of a thing. People are really looking at is becoming more economically in, independent, um, moving away from corporations and entities that you know support these kind of things. And uh, but some people would argue that maybe that's not very practical. That not everybody may have the ability to do such. Um, yeah uh, that that they've already have succeeded so much in monopolizing in some industries that maybe they don't really have another option yeah. and um, I wanted to ask you if you think that's accurate at all and if it is kind of what steps do you take from there
1: well if that is accurate if that criticism's accurate I guess we're finished so and uh, since we're still talking about this and able to, oppose it rhetorically at least i think it's not the case that this is totalizing at this point there's still uh there are still gaps and there are still niches that we can exploit and there are gaps that we can open up and expand uh you know whether that is in some cases people establishing uh you know off the grid types of communities uh you know, uh, establishing, uh, you know, gr- you know following like this greater reset uh, model uh, of, of attempting to get away from uh, the technocratic grid and uh, or, you know, other measures like the freedom cell movement. Uh, I'd leave it to people individually to choose what they want, but I think they should do it on the basis of per- correct analysis of the problem. My job i believe is the correct analysis of the problem i am not touting myself as mr answer man who has all the answers on how to oppose it but first i think what i'm trying to do is get the people to understand and recognize the actual enemy
0: yeah i i think that's that's good and Uh, I'm glad that you are doing that because I think there is a lack of uh, really understanding who the enemy is and what the enemy is um, when these topics come up and it's it's very much seen in that their policy recommendations often also you know are characterized by that lack of knowledge and I'm very glad for your work Um, but I wanted to give you now the opportunity to uh, promote that work and promote
1: anything to my audience that you think should be promoted? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, My work can all be found at my website, michaelrechtenwald.com. And uh, I put all of the essays that I write for Mises and elsewhere up on the essays page uh, there. And I have a great reset uh, page as well. I have uh, all of my interviews and media appearances up there. Um, and everything that I'm doing is up there, except for what I'm working on now, which is my, and my books are all linked up there. You can either buy them directly from me, which I would recommend, or you can buy them from Amazon. If you buy them directly from me, you would go to the link, sign copies, and I'll sign the copies and send them to you directly. Uh, this avoids the, the Amazon woke cartel, um, the Amazon who is part of the woke cartel, um, and uh, right now I, I would like to say that I'm working on a new book and I'm just beginning it. And I'm trying to explain why, um, in fact, I'm trying to first show that there is this elite contingent that is uh, promoting socialism on, and, and for various reasons, and why, why they're promoting socialism. Why are these elites promoting socialism? And has this always been the case and i think it has which i'm going to show as well and i'm going to show that the great reset is another elitist project promoting socialism and for what reason why are they socialist and uh what does that mean for us yeah i that
0: uh new book that you just spoke about it immediately piques my interest and um i'm gonna keep an eye out for that one and i suggest everyone else keep an eye out for that one because i'd love to have you back on for that uh, thank you but i i thank you so much for coming on and uh, appreciate everything uh that you had to say about on this issue
1: all right my pleasure thanks for having me i yeah. hope it helps
0: no problem